Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Who on Earth Can Forgive Sins? Preached on July 16, 1995. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 9. Turn to the scripture, Matthew chapter 9, 1 through 8. Who on earth can forgive sin? After the introduction, I want to speak to you about four points. Point number one, the paralytic. Point number two, the problem. Point number three, the possibility. And point number four, the pronouncement of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Matthew presents Jesus as one having authority. The son of Abraham, the son of David, the king of Israel. He is God with us, Emmanuel. People are amazed at his teachings, we discovered at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Unlike the professional theologians, the scribes, Jesus taught with authority. He said, you have heard such and such things, but I say unto you, ego de lego. Jesus is one who has authority over diseases. We discovered he is the one who has authority over demons, authority over nature, the wind and the sea, Obey him, what sort of a man is this? The disciples wondered. They thought he had known him, but somehow they do not know him. He is beyond their knowledge. Jesus Christ has authority over death. He raises the dead. But in this particular passage in Matthew 9, we discover that Jesus Christ has authority over sin. What is the greatest need of man? And this text tells us it is not food, clothing, and shelter. The greatest need of man is not for peace between nations, not for economic prosperity, not for healing of diseases, This scripture teaches us that the greatest need of man is not physical, but spiritual. Man needs forgiveness of sins. But the question is, who on earth can forgive sins? Matthew therefore introduced Jesus in chapter 1 in this way. His name is Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Jesus alone can forgive sins. He alone is the Savior of the world. Now having gone for a while from his headquarters in Capernaum to minister to other people, like the one possessed of many demons on the southeastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, now Jesus returns to Capernaum and entered the house. And he was there for many days. Maybe this house belonged to Peter and Andrew, 
Or it could be a house that was given to him for his use. Though Jesus did not own any house. For many days having returned, he was teaching in the house. The text says, the word, the word of God. He was preaching the kingdom of God. How man should repent and believe on him to enter into the kingdom of God, to enjoy righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us in the 11th chapter of Matthew, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Many were repenting and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Many were showing spiritual courage, vigor, power, determination to enter the kingdom despite the ever-present threat of persecution. Luke tells us that scribes and Pharisees from every village in Galilee, in Judea, and Jerusalem were in attendance. The scribes were professional theologians trained and ordained to function as custodians of religious orthodoxy. They were guardians of the teaching office of Judaism. Some of them were members of the Sanhedrin. They would challenge Jesus concerning his refusal to submit to the halakha, the oral law, the oral tradition, which scribes regarded as binding in its authority. These scribes did not come to believe in Christ. They came to see whether Jesus was kosher or not. Whether his teaching conforms to theirs or not. It was their duty to check him out and report to the Sanhedrin. So the point number one is the paralytic the paraplegic, the impotent man, the man of total inability. Such a man is brought, is carried, is born by four people. Jesus was not in Capernaum for a while, but now he came home, the news of his presence spread abroad. It reached especially the ears of five people. One was a paralytic. This man cannot move. He must be carried from place to place. They heard the stories of how this Jesus of Nazareth had healed many people. This Jesus with power and authority. This Jesus who could calm the storm and the sea. This Jesus who could cast out thousands of demons from a man and make him instantly whole. These five therefore concluded that Jesus was able to heal this paraplegic, this paralytic, this impotent man. They all believed in Jesus. 
the friends of the paralytic carried him to Capernaum. It was hard work. It was probably a long journey carrying a paralytic. But the truth is the four loved the important man. It is good to have friends who guide us to Jesus the Savior. Do you have love for sinners? Let me ask you this morning. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave up his only begotten son. World of sinners, world of enemies, world of ungodly people, world of rebellious men. May God enable us to carry sinners to the Lord Jesus, especially beginning with members of our own family. Every sinner is important. He is suffering from total inability to save himself. He must come to Jesus. He must be brought to Jesus. But there is a problem. Of course, the house, you know, open house, I hope your house is an open house, where you will not only invite fellow believers, you should invite them, you should fellowship with them, but you should also invite sinners. You should have a sign outside, sinners are welcome in this house. So the house of Jesus was an open house. But the problem is, it was filled. So the people looked and there is no entrance. People crowded even around the door. There is no room for you, sinner, in the house. House is too small. And nobody is going to give this important wretched man entry into the presence of God. Most of the space was taken by the unbelieving critics of Jesus. What must the five do? They came probably from a far place. They are tired. Too bad they cannot meet Jesus. What should they do? Go home. No, they had faith. Most people who were in the presence of Jesus had no faith. These five had faith in Jesus Christ. They heard of him. It could be that the four met with Jesus before and received great grace and encouragement and forgiveness of sins and physical healing. Yes, they told the paralytic about Jesus and he believed. He said, please take me to Jesus. I'm sick and tired of being in this wretched condition. Nobody can help me. I believe Jesus will help me and heal me. They had vibrant faith. The kingdom of God, I said, is forcefully advancing. And forceful men lay hold of it. Forceful men. Men of faith in Jesus and his teaching. Come what may. I believe in Jesus Christ. These five were forceful men. They will not be deterred by any problem. This 
mountain shall be removed. Their faith in Jesus would move this problem mountain. No problem, let me assure you, can stand in the way of Jesus Christ. Let's turn to the book of Mark, chapter 11. And let me read it to you from verse 22 on. Have faith in God. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen. It will be done for him. Faith. In God. Especially faith to meet with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way and he will remove your mountain. He will show you the way to come and meet with him. So point number three is the possibility. Yes, I have a problem. I'm a sinner. I'm a paralytic. I need to be made whole. There is only one. Who can make me whole? That is Jesus. Jesus Christ. Who has come down from heaven. Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. I must go to him. The five counsel together. Nobody was compassionate enough. To give them entry into the presence of Jesus Christ. But we must get to Jesus. So faith found a way. They went up to the roof through the outside stairs. They removed some tiles. They made a hole big enough to lower the paralytic to the very presence of Jesus. This is an emergency. We have no time for etiquettes. It is a little rude, but dust is going to fall on Jesus and the unbelieving scribes. But Jesus will understand it. It is an issue of life and death. Oh, what a zeal. What a vigor. What action. What labor. What motivation. What compassion. Oh, yes. We will repair the roof later on. But we must get to Jesus. That we may be saved and healed. We must place this needy sinner before Jesus. Brothers and sisters, let me ask you this. Do you feel such an urgency? There are sinners all around us, all about us, in our own homes. People who are paralyzed in their soul, in their spirit. Do you have the faith to see their paralysis? And do you have the love for them and the compassion for them? Do you see the emergency? Do you see the urgency? The wages of sin is death. Any moment that son of yours will die. That father and mother and sister of yours will die. Any moment. And will slip into this eternity of hell. Oh, we are living in an urgent time. Now let's look at the pronouncement of Jesus. 
the pronouncement. Jesus didn't complain. I'm sure there was dust in his hair, on his head, and dust in his eyes. Absolutely no complaint. And he says, God say, Technon, cheer up, son. Oh, what encouraging word. From him who is righteousness, from him who is pure, from him who is holy, from him who is God. And he says, cheer up, my son. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Yes, this is the one place and the only place we find Jesus Christ meeting first the spiritual need. Yes, the deepest need of man is not physical. It is spiritual. Man is not just a body. Man cannot be explained with deterministic materialism. Man is a soul. Man is paralyzed in his soul. Man is a paraplegic in his soul. Man is a sinner, born a sinner. He practices sin every day. He's against God and his law. He's an enemy of God. He's ungodly, the Bible says. He is under the wrath of God on a daily basis. Forgiveness of sin is man's greatest need. He is incapable of happiness. How can a sinner be happy? The wages of sin is death. How can a person sentenced to capital punishment be happy? No wonder the world is not happy. Even after the best party, man is miserable. The wrath of God stares at him in the middle of the night. He must die. Not just a physical death, but an eternal death. He must go to hell. So let me tell you, despite all the shoddy, superficial sign of cheer and happiness, every sinner is baptized in depression. His happiness is only a delusion, a grand delusion. So Jesus saw their faith. Now some people would say it was the faith of the four people. And it is not the faith of the one who was paralytic. I don't believe that. He saw their faith. There were five. One being carried by four. They all believed in Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you something. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, even and your household. In other words, no one is going to be saved without trusting in Jesus Christ, in his person and in his work. It's an impossibility. You cannot save somebody by proxy. It's impossible. I could say to people, you sinner, you don't have to believe in Jesus Christ, but I believe in Jesus Christ. I will intercede for you. Give me money. No, it is impossible. Everyone must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. 
Yes, the scribes did not believe in him. They were critics. They came to church, all right. Oh, how many people are in the church today? They like the scribes to check it out, to see whether the gospel conforms our own idea of salvation. But here, five people full of faith in Jesus Christ. But Jesus says to this paralytic, Tarsay Technon, cheer up, son. Oh, that's wonderful. That is the gospel, isn't it? It is not simply saying good morning. We say all kinds of words of greetings that are simply formal. We are expected to say these things. And we ought to say these things. But when God's Son, Jesus Christ, says to this paralytic, Cheer up, son. That's gospel. That's it. The eternal God saying to a sinner, You have nothing to worry about. I love you. Rejoice. Jesus said in John 16 verse 33, In this world you will have tribulations. Rejoice. But rejoice. The same word. What is it? What's the reason for you rejoicing? For I have overcome the world. He was going to go to the cross to die for the sins of the whole world. He'll be buried, but on the third day, according to the scriptures, he will be raised up. Therefore, he says what? Rejoice. In this world, you will have tribulations, but rejoice. I have overcome the world. There is a reason for your joy, brothers and sisters. Cheer up, son. Cheer up. Your sins are forgiven thee. Oh, this is good news. This is great news. This is cause for celebration. Jesus said, rejoice. That's what he told me. Jesus called me son. I was trembling. I thought he would say, I refuse to heal you. I refuse to have anything to do with you. You are a sinner. I condemn you because I am God. I am purity, I am holiness, I am perfect righteousness. I am the only one who has the authority to condemn all people. Oh no, instead he says what? He told me, rejoice. Then he called me son. And then he said this amazing, shocking pronouncement. He said, what was it? All your sins are forgiven thee. Hallelujah. How can this be? Ah, that will be the question in the heart of every sinner. How can God forgive anybody's sin and still be God? Does he make laws only to be flouted by human beings? Oh no. Let me tell you because this Jesus Christ, he came from all eternity from heaven. This transcendent all God of majesty came that he may incarnate, that he may take upon himself human nature, 
And in that human nature, he may offer himself as our atoning sacrifice. That he may receive in his own body the wrath of God that is against every elect sinner. He who knew no sin, the Bible says, became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. He came to give his life a ransom for many, he said. He is the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. He was given up by the Father to suffer the wrath that is against us. Isaiah says he would be crushed for our iniquity. Yes, and that is the truth. You read Romans chapter 3, it is articulated by St. Paul. This propitiatory sacrifice that Jesus Christ would die for that woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and brought to Jesus and he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Yes, he would die for the sin of this paraplegic, this paralytic and he would take his sin upon his body and will die on the cross that God may be just and may justify the ungodly. Hallelujah. That's wonderful, isn't it? But you see, this wonderful benediction, this wonderful pronouncement, rejoice, son, your sins are forgiven thee. It was music in the ears of the paralytic. Oh, but it was. It didn't sit well with the religiously orthodox people, the scribes. And they began to murmur in their hearts. Who does he think he is? Everybody knows only God is able to forgive sins. We know that as rabbis. We know that even the Messiah is not able to forgive sins. We know that. How dare this man? We know he's a man. We know he is son of Mary. We know he's a carpenter. We know his brothers and sisters. How dare this man say, Thy sins are forgiven when we know that only God can forgive sin. And we also know that this man is no God. And they are thinking in their hearts. And we read in the book of Matthew, Jesus being omniscient, being God, he, he knew their evil thoughts and he said, how come you are thinking evil thoughts in your hearts? Isn't that interesting? Heart is the problem. It is wicked, it is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? Jesus said in Mark 7, Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, adultery, theft, murder. And let me introduce you to Jesus Christ who reads your thoughts. Even now what is going on in your hearts is read and seen by God. Jesus Christ doesn't have to study anything. He knows He is infinite God. He is omniscient God. 
And the scribes were saying, anybody can say that your sins are forgiven. It is an unprovable, uncheckable statement. He understood this. So Jesus said, which is easier to say thy sins are forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. You see, the rabbis, they understood this. The sickness is, is the result of sin. And the sickness cannot be cured until God forgives sins. All right, Jesus takes up that challenge. And he says what? You can now check it out. Thy sins are forgiven thee. And then he says, rise up and walk. Things that this man could not do before. In an instant, by a miracle, the man rose and took up his bedroll. And he walked, we are told elsewhere, in the presence of all. And so if you are sane in your head, Rabbi, scribe, you must draw this conclusion. Only God forgives sins. A sickness is the result of sin. And if one is forgiven, he should be well. But here is one who said, thy sins are forgiven thee, and the man is healed, therefore he must be God. Is that what the scribes concluded? It's amazing how wicked heart will draw such illogical conclusion. Isn't this the reason why people refuse to trust in Jesus Christ? Their wicked heart cannot bring itself to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God. Is God. And so what did they conclude? No, no, no. This guy is blaspheming. This guy is pretending to be God or this guy is doing whatever that militate against the majesty and authority of God. That's what blasphemy is. And Leviticus 24 tells us such a person must be put to death. Oh, the twisted heart, the unbelieving heart, the wicked heart, no matter how much evidence is given, the heart is twisted and refuses to bow before the almighty God, even Jesus Christ of the Lord. And that is pretty sad indeed, isn't it? Oh, and so they came to this twisted conclusion. He is blaspheming. He is just a man. He is just a sinner. He is not God. Then how come this happened? Do you know what their answer is? It's the demon. It's the chief demon. Jesus Christ, he is Beelzebub. He is the chief of demons, so he can do these things. That is exactly the conclusion they arrived at. And it started right here, the, the accusation of blasphemy. And you go home, you go and read Mark chapter four, 14 and verse 64. And that was the charge. Finally, they brought against Jesus Christ. And he was crucified for this specific charge. But let me tell you, again, that is ordained by God. No one can crucify him. He was crucified according to the determinate counsel of God. And when they put him on the cross and crucified him, they only fulfilled 
divine plan so that from the cross forgiveness of sins could flow to the woman who was caught in adultery and this paralytic man who was paralyzed in body and soul he was saved hallelujah unbelief will never acknowledge acknowledge Jesus is God though Jesus Christ gave them incontrovertible proof they will not accept it oh he is doing this by Beelzebub no he says I want you to know something that you may know the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he turned to the paralytic and said rise up and walk let me introduce you to Jesus Christ the son of man in Daniel 7 he is the heavenly being he is deity but he alone has authority epithes gays on the earth to forgive sins that's why I say no other religion can cause your sins to disappear no religion can help you in terms of the forgiveness of sins no one can make this pronouncement cheer up son thy sins are forgiven thee let me offer Jesus Christ to you the one Savior of the world the unique one who has authority in earth to forgive sin no he is not one of many who have authorities to forgive sin he is the only one and we read what he says in the great commission I'll be with you always even unto the end of the ages all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me let me give to you Jesus Christ the savior of the world let me give to you Jesus Christ who will save every person who will trust in him who will repent of their sins who will bow down before his majesty and say I'm paralyzed in my soul and in my entire being. I'm ungodly. I'm wicked. I have sinned against you. I deserve to drink the full cup of the wrath of God. And let me tell you what he would say to you. He would say to you, son, rejoice. (laughs) Your sins are forgiven me. Rise up. Take up your burden and go. That's what he would say to you. Come to Jesus. And this Jesus is no longer on earth in his body. Jesus Christ ascended into the heavens, seated on the right hand of God the Father. But he can be approached my people everywhere there is no problem for room 
There is room at the cross for you. Call upon the name of the Lord and what? You shall be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, I was reading a Scottish theologian. And he, he has a hard time understanding that Jesus Christ is God. He cannot bring himself to say that. And so he, he is explaining this idea that he said, thy sins are forgiven thee. And he said it could be because Jesus is conveying God's forgiveness to this person. Like Nathan conveyed the forgiveness of God to David. Remember that? The Lord forgives you. Or he says, you know, it may be because Jesus was given the power of attorney uh, to do this. When you give a power of attorney to somebody, what he does, you do. You are do- he is doing exactly what you want him to do. And third, he says, oh, oh it may be Jesus is revealing the attitude of God. God is perfect love. And so he was displaying God's attitude. I love you. I forgive you. This great professor who has written a number of books can, cannot bring himself to say what? Jesus Christ is God. Is deity. Well, that's exactly the truth. And that's what is being demonstrated. Oh, the scholarship, the blind scholarship, the unbelieving scholarship. Yes, Jesus Christ is God who became flesh. There are three reactions then to this whole wonderful deliverance. One is the reaction of the scribes. Their heart is twisted. They will not... Accept Jesus Christ as God. So they would say, no, you are blaspheming. Then you ask the scribes, how come he's doing these things? So let me tell you how. He's doing it by the power of the devil. That's one reaction. The other, we are told the crowds, you know, there's always crowds. And their reaction is what? They are excited. The word is in the text, in other parallel passages, they were excited. Crowds of people will come. They want what? Excitement. They are the wow people. (laughs) They come to church. They follow uh, preachers everywhere. They are looking for an opportunity to say what? Wow! Let me tell you, wow wouldn't take you to heaven. (laughs) Let me assure you. But then... There is the reaction of these five people and other believers. They believed, isn't it? And then we are told in Luke chapter 5, we are told in verse 25, that he went home rejoicing, praising. You see, when you trust in Jesus Christ, (laughs) your life, from that point on is filled with joy, filled with peace. 
You have been given an entrance not into a house, but into the kingdom of God, which we are told is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he went home praising God. Can you imagine what he did when he went home? And he was happy. He was rejoicing. He was speaking to everybody. You know what? What happened? We went there. And there was no room at all. (laughs) And the door place was covered with people. Nobody moved and nobody showed compassion. But God granted us faith. We took the stairs, went up the roof. We took a hole (laughs) on the roof. And they lowered me. And as soon as I went to his presence, he said, Son, Son, he said. And then he said what? Your sins are forgiven thee. And then he told me, Rise up and walk and go. And he did first time in my life. He went home, not to sit in the house and sleep for the rest of his life. He went home, let me tell you, to declare the glorious gospel. Jesus Christ is God, he said. Jesus Christ is Savior. I offer to you, Jesus Christ. Shall we rise? Jesus Christ, your Savior. I say to you, there is no other Savior in all the earth. I have seen people looking for gurus to hear great truths of wisdom. And I told them, you know, you are looking for a grain of wheat in the cow dung. I offer to you Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Let me assure you, there is room for you. You don't need to go up the stairs and dig the roof. There is room at the cross for you. Christ is risen from the dead. And Christ, he said, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the ages. For what? To save us, to heal us, to comfort us, to pronounce this great benediction. Son, rejoice. Your sins, notice your sins, not your sins, your sins, all of it, past, present, and future, all of it. Son, your sins are forgiven thee. Oh, that's justification, isn't that true? Hallelujah. He took your sins completely, and he gives you his perfect righteousness. Double transaction. That's what he would say to you. Son, daughter, rejoice. I have overcome the world. Son, daughter, rejoice. I have paid for your sins. Son, daughter, rejoice. I have drunk to the last drop the cup of the wrath of God so that you can rejoice. You can have eternal life. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you want to trust in him, if you want to be touched by him, if you want to be comforted by this Jesus Christ, I say come forward. (laughs) But if you want to be a scribe, well, you have that freedom. Isn't that true? God never saved an unbelieving scribe. His name is Jesus, 
for he shall save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. Whoever you are, come and let's pray with you. Come and meet with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Meet with Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is the way. And he is the life. There is only one who always tells the truth. He is truth. If you don't believe in him, we make him out a liar, the Bible says. Come to him and say, Lord Jesus, meet my need. And the first and foremost and the deepest is my sin, my guilt. I am depressed. Have mercy upon me and forgive my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God, that you are God, you are Savior of the world, that there is no other Savior. Come and say, God, I'm a Christian, but I need your blessing this morning. And he will bless you. <laughs> and he will help you. Believe in him. Hallelujah. Everybody praying. Hallelujah. Whoever you are. We have needs. May God open your eyes. To realize. The spiritual need. Of you. If God is. Is speaking to you. Then you move. And uh, come. As a token of your faith. Come unto me, he said. All who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's what he said. I'll give you rest. Come unto me, he said, and drink from me. He said, I'm the living bread. Come and eat. Hallelujah. To the Samaritan woman, he said, I'll give you water that will spring up within you. Unto eternal life. Hallelujah. Do you think he is lying? Do you think he is exaggerating? Well, we lie. We exaggerate. God cannot lie, the Bible says. Hallelujah. Your Savior. Our Savior. The same Jesus Christ who will come again. To judge everyone who rejected him. Everyone who treated him with contempt. Everyone who said he is lying. Hallelujah. Those who are here, would you pray this prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to save me, to forgive my sin, to die in my place. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe in you by the faith you have given me. Save me, O oh Lord. Forgive all my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Make me a new creation. Heal my body. Heal my soul. Heal my mind. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. Son, daughter, rejoice. Your sins are forgiven thee. Rise up. 
walk and go home. Hallelujah. Praise you, Heavenly Father, for hearing our prayers, for filling us with peace, for removing the burden of guilt and sin. Hallelujah. We are forgiven forever, saved forever. Who said so? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said so. I believe in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truths of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Reverend P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.